I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. Story time. So, last weekend was my sister's birthday and my older sister, because I have three. And to celebrate, we went down to the beach and stayed in a hotel nearby for a couple days, which isn't anything crazy for like a Floridian. There's a beach within 15 minutes of almost everyone, but it was cool. However, it's Florida, so the weather was highly chaotic and unpredictable, so within a few hours, the sunny weather and skies had turned to grayish, and although I didn't think anything of it, the effects only worsened throughout the day. So once it got dark out, like outside, there was a full-on hurricane, almost. The rain was so heavy to the point where I could barely make out the dashes on the road, and the next day, we woke up to by no surprise, a flash flood. So because we were so scared that our car was gonna get flooded like so many others in the parking lot had, we decided to check out early. So on the way home, the streets greeted us with insane water levels. And it was kind of expected as we were by the beach. Um, But we considered ourselves lucky that the car didn't totally stop or flood like others we had seen, you know, did. And I know this sounds unrelated, but bear with me. So amidst the intense flooding we were driving through, my older sister mentioned the draining problem in South Florida, observed not only just by the beach, but in so many other places, and intrigued, my younger sister mentioned climate change. Now, climate change doesn't quite correlate with drainage issues, although I guess you could stretch it that way a little, like you could, but in this case, not particularly. So she was a little confused, but she had the right spirit. So what drove me to make this episode was that exact conversation, her mention of climate change. Although yes, it probably isn't to blame for South Florida's awful drainage system, it can definitely contribute to a valid explanation as to why there's such a heavy influx of rain needing to be drained at all. So in a way, yes, climate change is to blame, not just for the heavy amounts of rain, but conversely for excessive drought not only for the decrease in the availability of the water supply, but for the odd insect outbreaks everywhere, not just in Florida, but throughout the entire world. And this is why climate change is so significant, not because of the ruining of my sister's birthday weekend, but because of the impact it poses on public health and safety, not because of the water it subjects me to slog through to get into my home, but because of the wildfires fuels, which leads people to lose theirs entirely. See, climate change is different, it's unique because it poses an imminent threat on us all. Not just as Floridians or Californians who are portrayed a lot in the media when it comes to climate change, but as inhabitants of the planet, of Earth. And it sounds really dramatic, but it's the unfortunate truth. So unlike a ruined birthday weekend, the effects of this don't just go away after cutting cake. They're long-term and detrimental, which leaves a bitter effect on all of us as Earth's inhabitants. So what is climate change? How does it manifest itself into our lives throughout the globe? Continue listening to gain a deeper understanding of climate change and most notably, how you can contribute to its end. So before I delve into this issue and its implications, it's obviously important to know what it is. So according to the Australian Academy of Science, climate change is a change in the pattern of weather and related changes in oceans, land surfaces, and ice sheets occurring over timescales of decades or longer. To also quote, climate change can be attributed to natural processes, such as changes in the sun's radiation, volcanoes or internal variability in the climate system, or due to human influences, such as changes in the composition of the atmosphere or land use. Meaning, climate change isn't something that the Earth itself solely created. If that was the case, it probably wouldn't be nearly as destructive as it has been or is projected to become. 
It's due to human activity, so our own actions. So as explained much better in that excerpt, this doesn't just manifest itself into droughts, which is what is commonly recognized as a main effect or form of climate change. I can attest to this being true because when I was like nine or probably younger, when I watched that movie, A Cinderella Story, I know you guys know what I'm talking about, the one with Hilary Duff, not Selena Gomez, the better one. And I remember they lived in California, so it was like really, really dry. There were always there were always droughts, and that was like a driving like theme of the movie. I, that's just my observation. But yeah, that's the main, like commonly recognized form of climate change. It can be observed from the ice sheets in Antarctica to the tropics of the rainforest, meaning it can show itself in various forms, which is something that seems like basic knowledge, but as shown by my interpretation of that movie and the most popular Google searches, it isn't. What I'm trying to get at here is that climate change isn't something that happens once in a singular place and then stops once it rains in a dry area or stops raining in an area stricken with floods. It's measured through statistical observations throughout a long period of time, over 30 years at least, according to the previously mentioned Australian Academy of Science, meaning it's continuously at work, steadily increasing. To speak on the implications of climate change, they really vary based on location where you are. So to divide them into categories based on effect in general instead of on specific areas, there is first the infamous increase in heat. This is widely known as global warming, characterized by the temperature increase in which climate change causes throughout the globe. As defined by the Natural Resources Defense Council, global warming occurs when carbon dioxide or CO2 and other air pollutants and greenhouse gases collect in the atmosphere and absorb sunlight and solar radiation that have bounced off of the Earth's surface. Typically, this absorbed sunlight and radiation would just leave the Earth and find its way into space. But due to the presence of these pollutants like carbon dioxide, this sunlight and radiation is trapped in our atmosphere, causing the temperature of the Earth to gradually rise. This is known as the greenhouse gas effect. This is where the human activity related aspect of climate change comes in. These pollutants, or high levels of these pollutants, should I say, don't just happen naturally. The large presence of these greenhouse gases can be attributed to humans and our activity. Through the burning of fossil fuels, we're able to blame for this effect which plagues the entire world. The largest source of heat trapping pollution, fossil fuel burning, produces about 2 billion tons of carbon dioxide every year. Right behind this is the second largest contributor of carbon pollution, transportation, which generates about 1.7 billion tons of carbon dioxide emissions a year. So clearly this impact can be attributed to human activity and irresponsibility. However, what's important about this aspect of climate change is the major effects it has on us, on our environments. Given that global warming, as the name suggests, is associated with the heating of the planet as a whole, it has the power to affect the weather significantly which is exactly what it does. And for this reason, global warming can be attributed to and linked to the extreme weather conditions that I previously mentioned, intensifying hurricanes, droughts, rainfall, and obviously temperature, which can be observed in the increasing temperature of heat waves. So in 2015, in reference to the 2015 Californian droughts, which were the worst in 1,200 years, scientists said that these droughts had been intensified by 15% to 20% by global warming. As climate change doesn't just manifest itself into one form, there is also the effect it houses on the oceans, which has layers. One, warmer oceans means less suitable environments, habitats for the animals that reside there. As the temperature increases in these traditionally cold climates, polar bears, for example, have less desirable conditions. This can be observed in so many animals throughout the oceans. And to go back to one of my first topic points, the trapped pollutants. 
According to National Geographic, only about 1% of all that trapped heat has stayed in the atmosphere, but it's had a huge effect, warming up the air by Earth's surface by about 1 degree Fahrenheit or 0.6 degrees Celsius on average over the past two centuries. And although that number seems really small, the effects have been detrimental, which we observed in these cold climates. However, a key point here is that is that most of the trapped heat isn't just in the atmosphere, but has made its way to the oceans where the damage has been made. See, as oceans heat, animals lose their habitats, which leads to a struggle for survival, endangerment, and ultimately, at extremes, extinction. As for how it can affect humans, as the oceans heat, tropical storms are able to gain traction, intensifying these natural disasters by whole categories. And these rising temperatures affect marine ecosystems, which serve as a huge benefit to humans as a source of food, income for people that live in fisheries, for example, as well as several other areas of life. Not to mention, these increased droughts and heat waves observed primarily in the southwest lead to wildfires. They have been especially prevalent this year, which we've seen on the news all over the media, which has made the issue of climate change finally a reality to too many individuals. And it sucks that so many people have had to lose their items, their homes, their properties, but unfortunately that's not even the worst part of the global warming issue. And just like we've seen it observed in the Antarctic, scary enough, the flooding I saw with my sisters during our beach trip wasn't even the tip of the iceberg, no pun intended, pertaining to climate change. The sea level is expected to rise 1 to 8 feet by 2100. Generally speaking, the implications of climate change can be linked to worsening environmental and weather conditions, intensifying heat waves, national disasters, droughts, and erosion, among others, posing a threat to not only the ocean and its life, but on infrastructure, land, agriculture, and humans, ironically enough, the source of the vast majority of this issue. So as most people are familiar with the effects of climate change, and as I've just discussed previously, there are solutions as to how we can help, because nobody wants to focus on the detrimental effects of it, but how we can reverse them. Unfortunately, climate change is such a vast issue that us, like reducing our footprint, for example, isn't going to reverse it completely unless everybody doesn't, and that doesn't look very attainable as of right now. But there are a few ways that we can help as youth and just as people in general. First off is changing your lifestyle. Through research, gaining knowledge is so integral to being able to get to this step. I didn't know a lot about climate change prior to writing this episode, like researching it and stuff, so it's really helpful to even just do a quick Google search, what is climate change, and just look at all the governmental websites and organizations because they actually have a lot of information pertaining to how it's gotten worse, how we can improve it, and just what it is. And having knowledge of like a brief synopsis of what it is and how it manifests itself into our society, into our world, is the first step at even changing our lifestyle. After the whole gaining knowledge aspect is done, the changes can happen. First, it's important to mention that human activity is the leading cause of climate change, global warming, and everything associated with those two. Through the burning of fossil fuels and transportation, we emit billions of tons of greenhouse gases every single year, which only amplifies this issue that we complain about. So the first step is to stop wasting resources, water, energy, etc. Pull the power cord if you can. Yes, I mean, stop charging your phones unnecessarily, having 10 items plugged in on one power cord, extension cord that's just screaming for help. Stop having things plugged in. Stop having water running unnecessarily. 
those little things seem very minor like if I leave my water running for like 0.2 seconds yeah that might not change the world but if we're all doing it at the same time imagine how much like water and resources we're wasting so first just stop wasting resources that's the first step and that's something that everyone can do not just youth or not just adults not just taxpayers like everybody can do that just pull the plug when it's unnecessary second eat your food I know this one sounds like a stretch but bear with me Based on information from the National Resources Defense Council, approximately 10% of U.S. energy use goes into growing, processing, packaging, and shipping food, about 40% of which just winds up in the landfill. So by wasting food, we're wasting energy alike. So by buying the right amount of food that you know will be consumed completely, you can help reduce waste and save energy. I think this is also something I can attest to. I've mentioned that word like previously, that's why I say also. But yeah, this is definitely something I can attest to. I know sometimes my dad definitely buys more food than we can eat. There's only four of us in the house right now, like my parents and my little sister and I. And sometimes he'll come back from Publix with tons and tons of like bread and we end up throwing it out. Like mold will grow on it because we don't even consume that much bread or like milk. We don't even consume that much. So we'll like expire before we can even finish it. We have so much food like sitting in our pantry and I guess it's good to like stock up sometimes but like when you know what I'm trying to get at here is that when you know that you're buying more food than you consume it's just intentional waste and that's really really detrimental to the environment and to climate change because even though it doesn't seem that it could be linked wasting food means wasting energy that goes into packaging that food and growing it and processing it and making it shipping it etc so by wasting food and not eating all of it or by buying more than you can actually eat you're conversely wasting energy which is a big contributor to climate change and global warming so stop wasting food eat your food and make sure that you're buying the same amount of food that you can consume next up the infamous three r's reduce reuse and recycle in that specific order A lot of people aren't aware that those three R's aren't just something that you just see on a poster and you can just do it in whatever order you want. Like, oh, I recycled yesterday, so I participated correctly in that diagram. No. Reduce, reuse, recycle has to be implemented in that order. So first off, reduce. As I just mentioned, stop buying more than you consume because that just means you're wasting energy. And as I said before, over 40% of this food that we all eat in the U.S., in the United States... It ends up in the landfill, and by wasting that food, by wasting these resources like water, etc., we're wasting energy. So it's really important to reduce your footprint. Stop, and this doesn't even translate to just food and water. It also translates to transportation, which is the second leading cause and contributor to these greenhouse gases being emitted through our atmosphere and through our planet. If you know that you can easily ride with somebody else to a trip or something like that, carpool. That's such an easy way. Like, it's really easy and it saves money, it saves time, it saves energy. Stop driving unnecessarily because that's one of the leading causes of the emissions of greenhouse gases. So that's just one way to reduce. Next, reuse. After you use something, use it again if you can. I don't mean, like, plastic water bottles because there's actually, like, toxins. I didn't know this, but there's actually toxins in, like plastic water bottles so it's not really good to reuse those and you shouldn't be using those anyways but if you can redo if you can reuse something my bad definitely do that i think that's just a given that's really obvious i think it's the most self-explanatory out of all of those three r's so that's pretty given and lastly recycle now this one is complicated because i know a lot of people like to hide under the umbrella that oh we recycle at my house so we're really just doing our part 
No. I mean, yes, in a way, that's a stretch, but no, for the most part. Because most people like to jump to that third R without actually implementing any of the other two. You can't recycle without reducing and reusing first. Because in because essentially, recycling is the last resort. If you've already been reducing, reducing your use, your footprint, sorry, and reusing what you can, then you can recycle. Because a lot of people don't know this, but most of the stuff that we recycle, including those pop caps like that you see on like soda soda bottles is that what am i saying including like the like the pop tabs that we would like donate in elementary school to win like money for our classes and our schools those aren't even recycled it's all a big myth it's all a huge lie do not like rely under the umbrella that hey i'm recycling this water bottle so i'm doing my part no because the sad truth is that most of these things that we think we're recycling end up going to the landfill and contributing to these greenhouse gases which are emitted. So make sure that recycling is your absolute last resort out of the three R's. So yeah, make sure that you're reducing, reusing, and recycling. And implementing these strategies in that order and these practices into your life can help significantly. Although it won't reverse the effects of climate change completely on its own, it's an important step for people who may not be able to make their entire homes renewable, as a lot of us don't have the power to do that alone. And lastly, this one I cannot stress enough, vote. Please, please vote. If you can, I've spoken about this in depth in my previous episode, a couple episodes back actually, entitled The The Power of the Vote, which you should definitely listen to because it's so integral in times like these. In the United States, at least for us, the sad reality is that a lot of people aren't going to be contributing to reducing their carbon footprint, etc., unless the government tells them to. And the government only does stuff when they're told and they're instructed by higher ranking officials, meaning it is so important that you vote so that you can elect these these officials who believe in climate change, first of all. I'm not going to name any names, but I think we can all tell what politician I'm talking about. But it's important that we elect those who align with our beliefs on climate change, who believe in it, and who are dedicated to helping reverse its effects and prevent its future implications. So the election's coming up. Election day is literally next week. And I just cannot stress enough, if you are eligible to vote, you have to exercise it right, not just for yourself, but for everyone around you. Because the sad truth is that a lot of us can't vote. A lot of us are not eligible. And... Many times, those who are not eligible are the ones who are affected by the negative implications of these governmental policies the most. And the one governmental policy, I'm putting this in quotes because the environment isn't something that should be regulated. Well, yes, the environment isn't a governmental thing. It's just the environment. What I'm getting to here is that the one thing that affects us all as Americans, not Democrats, not Republicans, is the environment. Climate change is an imminent threat to all of our lives, not as red states, not as blue states, not as black people or white people, but as inhabitants of the earth. So if we're not electing officials who, one, believe in it, and two, aren't, are committed to reversing its effects and preventing its future negative implications, we're taking a huge step back as a country and as people that inhabit this planet. So I cannot stress enough, please, if you can, vote for officials who will be dedicated to helping the environment. I'm not going to name any names, but I think we all know who I'm talking about. So to conclude, implementing these strategies into our lives can help significantly change the negative implications and effects in general of climate change, global warming, and everything associated with the two. And it's really a key thing here to not think of helping reduce our carbon footprint and contribute to the end of these issues as something that's just morally right, but it's more of an obligation as people that inhabit the earth. 
With that being said, I hope that you all were able to take away something completely new from this week's episode pertaining to the wonders of climate change, because I know I did through my own independent research, and I hope that my efforts will inspire you all to seek more knowledge and a deeper understanding of this issue, because unlike other topics I've discussed on this show, climate change doesn't just affect certain groups like minorities or like students, it affects all of us. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and make sure to tune in next Thursday for a new episode of Little Perspective.